It's Wednesday, November 15th, 2023, and welcome to episode 276 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna, and I'm joined today by my fellow Senior Fellow Lester Munson and NSI's Deputy Executive Director Jessica Jones. As we anxiously await the outcomes of President Biden's meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping today in San Francisco, we are also learning of a third round of U.S. airstrikes on two Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps facilities in Syria, which killed several Iranian-linked fighters. As you'll recall, since Hamas, which is backed by the regime in Iran, launched its terrorist attack against Israel on October 7th, the U.S. military and Iranian proxies have engaged in a tit for attack exchange of strikes. On October 26th, the U.S. airstrikes targeted two facilities in Syria linked to the IRGC and its proxies. On November 8th, Iran-backed airstrikes continued and U.S. airstrikes targeted a facility in Syria connected to the IRGC. And then most recently on Sunday, U.S. airstrikes targeted an Iranian-linked training facility and safe house in Syria. However, instead of deterring Iran from further malign action in the region, Iranian-backed groups have escalated their attacks. In fact, since the U.S. strikes on Sunday, Iranian-backed groups have conducted four drone or rocket attacks on U.S. troops. Since October 17th, Iranian-backed projectile attacks have caused 56 U.S. personnel injuries. Meanwhile, Israel continues to prosecute the war against Hamas in Gaza and then to off strikes from Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. Les, I'll start with you. Why aren't U.S. strikes resonating with Iran right now? And what's it going to take for Iran to start taking the United States seriously? Do we need to step up our deterrence measures? Morgan, uh, great topic, great questions. I think the administration's uh, so-called deterrence policy with respect to Iran is clearly not very effective. Uh, it, it is good, I think, that we're stepping up uh, responses militarily to what uh, Iran and Iran-backed groups are doing. Uh, but we're responding to something like less than 10% of the attacks on American troops. My view is the, the old Trump approach of, you know, let's kill Qasem Soleimani when he uh, steps out in public in Iraq, probably the better approach. I am willing to give the administration some grace on this because it is the president's responsibility to manage day-to-day -day conflicts around the globe. This is a, these are real tough questions. And frankly, uh, the conflict has not metastasized into something much larger. I don't mean to diminish uh, uh, injuries to Americans in any respect, but this could be much, much worse. So I'm not totally convinced that the deterrence policy is an abject failure. I do think it's good that we're increasing uh, our, the tempo of our responses, and that should have a, a better impact. I do think there's a larger question here, and we can get to this later if you want, of engagement with Iran on the nuclear question. Huge mistake, a kind of a delusional policy, this remnant of the Obama administration. Not a good idea. I think that's where critics of the administration have a, a much stronger leg to stand on. Okay, well, let's let's pick through that a little bit because I want to go back to, to the issue of deterrence here. I mean, what's it actually going to take? I mean, are we are you okay with Iran continuing to just hit the United States, the United States suffering more personnel casualties? Uh, I, it's 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 remarkable that you know Iran has basically been very clear that they do not want open warfare with the United States because they know I think that they'll they'll lose right. But at the same time, though, they're perfectly okay continuing to poke us. And why are we allowing this to happen, Morgan? Uh, real quick, 
I think we need to keep our eye on the ball. Right now, the ball in the Middle East is making sure Israel prevails in its war on Hamas. That is essential. We should be marshalling our day-to-day decisions behind that priority. And so uh, if that means we uh, are, are deterrence is a little less robust against Iran, which I don't really like, to be totally honest. But if that's what that if that's a consequence of this decision to focus on Israel and Hamas, I understand that. And I think that's that's a tough call the president has to make. And uh, and I again, I'm willing to give him some grace on this on this issue. So let's shift to to focus on Iran's strategy here. Jess, what do you think Iran's trying to prove? What is their strategy? How do we think that they're going to continue to to attack the United States? And how does this factor in to what we're seeing going on in Israel right now? That's, I mean, that's what I spent the morning thinking about, um, Morgan, to your point of poking the bear and knowing in the back of our minds that Iran doesn't want a full scale conflict with the United States. But, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, tit for tat and it isn't tit for tat right now. You've, you know, over 40 attacks on U.S. facilities and we've only you mentioned three strikes back. So to Les's point, 40 to three is not exactly tit for tat. So the U.S. could step up its its response. Um, but to Les's point, the administration is being cautious. It doesn't want to escalate. It doesn't want to broaden the conflict. And I think they're trying to figure out that exact question of how do we respond? How do we up our deterrence without actually um, escalating the conflict? Though, you know, Iranian-backed proxies aren't Iran, um, aren't Iran troops, though. So one attack that one attack that actually causes American casualties could change and escalate the conflict with, you know, tomorrow. So we really don't know what's going to happen. I do think it's interesting. We talk about President Biden being President Xi today in San Francisco, and we know that um, Iranian gas, um, Iranians money coming from gas is, is booming and that 70% of Iranian oil is purchased by China. So I think, you know, we can also talk about the, the support that Iran gets from China and from Russia and what that does to amplify their actions and how we can how we can begin to count, think about countering those actions. Sure. So, I mean, I would know, I think Iran smells, you know, blood in the water here that the United States, they perceive this administration um, as incredibly weak. They see the there an opportunity here to expand their influence, not just the region, but but globally. I mean, we see what they're doing um, in Russia by, by providing them drones to attack Ukrainians. And so this is this is Iran's opportunity to flex. They know that the United States under the Biden administration isn't going to hit them back. Um, Les, you mentioned specifically going after, um, you know, Soleimani's predecessor, Hussein Salame. I think it's you know worth taking a look at what kind of pinprick strikes that we can uh, that we can take to, to really punch the regime in the nose here and make them back down. Les, any th- final thoughts? Yeah. Um... Morgan, I just I just want to say, like, this is this is the residue of a bad approach from the administration from the time Biden came into the office, it came into office, you know, kind of push trying to push Saudi Arabia into a corner because of uh, the terrible decision they made on Khashoggi uh, and and really trying to change the, the uh, arrangements inside the Middle East because of this one episode was just dumb. Uh, it was not a good policy. Engaging Iran is not a policy that makes sense in the long run. 
uh, we're, some of this is the consequences of the administration's own bad decisions. I think they they know that now. We, we've seen President Biden engage with uh, the crown prince in Saudi Arabia. The fist bump, as much derided as it was, was actually a good thing at the end of the day because the U.S. needs to be talking to Saudi Arabia. Uh, but this we're, we're seeing the consequences of, of just bad decisions at the get go from the Biden administration. I think they understand now that it's they've got to make up for that and they're and they're moving quickly. So, again, I'm willing to give them a little grace, but they've got to drop the engagement with Iran plan going forward. They need to have a much more realistic approach to the Middle East. I do like the way the White House has responded to the crisis in Gaza thus far. I think they've been doing the right thing and taking some some risks back home here on the politics. And, and I, I think they do deserve some praise for that. It's not been perfect, but it's been pretty good. Uh, so I think this this is all part of a larger piece, of course. And it's, and it's hard to just talk about the deterrence issue without bringing in these other issues. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Devlin Burning, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday, November 17th, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debates in America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.